Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Carl Experience. This is Season 2, Episode 25. And before I get into anything else, I want to give a shout-out to uh, all my regular listeners, like uh, Laura Witham, uh, Barry Allen Manuel, uh, Sam Rowe, maybe Bob Holly. I don't have that big a following, but it's really not that important that I have a big following. I just do this because I enjoy it. <sighs> Now, today's episode is Gangs vs. Police, and I'm going to have to wing some of it because I can only write so much. But that's how we are now. Okay. Cops and robbers, good guys versus bad, protect and serve versus shoot and collect. One of the oldest battles there is. Unfortunately, at the moment, cops are considered evil unless they kowtow to certain things. So now it's just cops... Uh, LEOs, law enforcement officers, more commonly referred to as LEOs, police officers, POPO, and the industrial military complex. The biggest issue right now um, this uh, let's see, let's see. the biggest issue right now uh, uh, this second is what, constitu- what constitutes a good cop, because right now we have cops uh, good, honest, hardworking, and duly appointed as well as diligent. They do everything they're supposed to do, and they uphold the law to everybody without discrimination. Um, police officers, and then we have the bad cops. These type, uh, these type of cops get hired by God knows, uh, God knows fucking who or why. That cop who says everything an employer wants to hear but can't explain away every reason why they were fired or laid off. The sad part is that plenty of officers easily hide their racist views if they want to. Sadly, this applies to um, older officers now more than ever. These say this still that whatever will bring someone down is acceptable. So they study MMA and practice it for use on duty, even if something has been forbidden to use while on duty. But let's get back on track. So let's compare some of the boiling points, and these are... I want to point out the similarities before I point out anything else. Um, When it comes to cops and gangs, uh, this is going to sound really messed up, but... It is actually true. Uh, Indoctrination in youth, cops, and gangs do the same thing as far as indoctrination. And it's not the same indoctrination for both uh, cops and gang members. It's a different kind of indoctrination on both sides. They are both principled. They both have weapons. They both have weapons for protection. They are both, for the most part, unionized, and I can go into that in further detail if I need to. Um, they have certain sig- insignia for uh, easy identification. Uh, for, uh, for the cops, the former occupation was risky, and for the gang members, former activity was risky. Uh, and on both, older members have a lot of carte blanche. They are given a lot more leeway than they probably should have. 
Um, now, the difference in indoctrinations is that cops are upheld as the good guys. And there are a lot of good cops. I'm not going to go ahead and start slamming and say that all cops are bad because I've met some really good cops and I've met some really crappy cops. And I'm not going to say that all cops are good, but I'm also not going to say that all cops are bad. Yes, there are a, a mountain of, underco of uh, uh, corrupt cops, and the good cops doing nothing about it kind of makes them complicit if you think about it in a proper way. We tend to want to think that cops are people we can take our kids around and um, they'll treat our children correctly as well as us correctly without, mu without much use for uh, talking about what they actually do. They should just be good people. As to where indo uh, indoctrination for youth in gangs is a lot of young kids who live in... Um, bad areas or whatnot, they see this guy with a lot of fancy clothes and driving a nice car and doing what they have to do to make a buck. And because of the adverse poverty in the uh, colored community, there is this um, air about... Uh, gang members and drug dealers, which are usually the same thing in the gang in the gang infested neighborhoods. Um, as far as their principles go, cops are supposed to stand a, a police officers, cops are supposed to uphold the law and be held to a higher standard, which they should. They're getting paid well enough. I mean, back in 2009, the pay rate for a cop going through basic training or police academy was $23 an hour. $23 an hour. That's before they even get a job as an actual cop. They get paid that much. And that's due to hazard pay, apparently. And yeah, they have principles. They're supposed to stand up. They're supposed to be righteous. They are, they are the law for the most part. They are paid to, with, uh, to uphold our values. They are allowed to protect themselves. And they're supposed to protect and serve us. As to where the principles in gangs, it's indoctrinate uh, the youth. Uh, always go for a younger customer. That way you'll have a customer for longer, even if you're poisoning or killing them. Um, yeah, there's, I, I don't have that much experience with, uh, uh, the ins and outs of gangs, but they have their own credos, their own sets. Um, there's constant, in gangs, there's constant back and forth as far as code goes. Um, for instance, if somebody gets shot, they feel they need to retaliate, and this permeates through the thing where you can have murders for two to 20 years, because of one person getting shot for doing something stupid. Like, they get shot by another set or another gang member or, you know, another whole gang, for that matter. And it's, they have to go out and shoot somebody else in retaliation. And that, uh, because they don't know the circumstances of it, yeah, it perpetuates itself. 
and it's a nihilistic uh, cycle. Now, weapons for protection, they both share. Weapons for, uh, for police officers are to subdue or to, uh, to subdue a suspect or suspects and make uh, it's designed to make them surrender it's to make them surrender w with minimal force some use maximum force I don't know why they go straight for the maximum force sorry my nose itches like really really itching But cops carry weapons for, like, if you're a cop patrolling a really bad neighborhood, you're going to have your gun and your taser, as well as your handcuffs and a belly club, just in case you need it. And you're not looking to, uh, hopefully the cops are never aiming to use it. As far as I read back 11 years ago, the cops weren't supposed to use, the, uh, use their weapons unless they absolutely had to. Cops are supposed to be skilled in de-escalation, de but at the same time, you also have to realize with more and more people not trusting the police because of a perceived wrong, people escalate, people self-escalate into a frenzy, much like with uh, Michael Brown, which apparently he's being thrown in the mix with the Black Lives Matter movement, and. Michael Brown was trying to unholster and steal a cop's gun to shoot the cop with, I'm imagining. And the cop was sitting in his car monitoring them. Michael Brown walks up, reaches in the cop's car, into the cop's holster trying to grab the gun. He doesn't successfully do so and gets shot running away from the cop, even though the cop had a reason to fear for his life. What if Michael Brown had gotten the gun? Dead cop. And he would have, you know, we don't know what would have happened. But instead, the cop, uh, the cop got, opened his door and opened fire, shooting Michael Brown in the back. I think it's a justified, uh, a justified shooting. And yes, cops do, uh, do have tunnel vision, so on occasion they do just go at it. <clears throat> Gang members where uh, use, wep use weapons as protection in the literal sense of protection. Because gangs often, uh, gang members often want to become the top guy. They watch Scarface or The Godfather or Blood In, Blood Out, God knows. And it turns into a holy hodgepodge of uh, weaponization for retaliatory purposes. Now, if gang members didn't uh, carry guns, I mean, they if they literally could not get a hold of a weapon through gun shows, whatever the case may be, uh, you know, even uh, dealing weapons off the black market because a gun shop needs, you know, five to ten Gs or grand to keep... Uh, the books proper, they will do so, and I don't know what happens to records, but it's got to be something nefarious. <sighs> as far as uh, as far as their weapons go, I mean, you have people who are concrete, to the core criminals 
who want all they care about is making the money. They don't care if they deal a drug that'll kill their customer in one shot. And if the light goes in and out, I'm sorry, it's maybe giving you a headache. But it's better than the image being flipped upside down. I know that was annoying at least one of my uh, regulars. Now, they uh, gangs carry different weapons than cops do. They'll carry a Glock, a six-shooter, probably an Uzi or a mini Uzi. They'll, you know, if they can get away with it, sawed-off shotgun and even an RPG. If the occasion is serious enough, they'll... Uh, they'll even use grenades and whatever else. Um, I think, and the tragic part is, is I know, I know, or have known of several gang members who never went anywhere without packing heat. Heat's a gun, in case you don't know. I'm assuming you do, but just in case. Now, I knew a guy I used to play poker with. He. He literally said he never stopped packing, and he was one of the few individuals that I ever knew of that I saw walk into a courthouse for an unpaid parking ticket or some crap, and he got pulled over for a busted taillight that wasn't actually busted. And I heard him talking about in poker, uh, at the poker table, damn good gambler, by the way, um... He said even then he was packing. And I'm like, how do you get past the metal detectors? And he said something about having a metal body part or a metal appliance in his body that set off the uh, uh, metal detectors. And he was an incredibly fat guy. He wasn't just a big, burly guy. He was a big, fat guy. He had, according to one of his girlfriends that I played poker with, he had uh, three... Uh, uh, Flaps of skin under his uh, uh, pectoral area or breast area, so he could literally pick a fold, hide the gun there, and then when uh, I think it was maybe his hip. So that way, when they got over by there, it's like the hip. And since he never had to run through a scanner, they always assumed that it was going off because of his hip. So he had a pretty good uh, reason. And when you have that much body to you, it's kind of easy to hide. And he was. Five, six hundred pounds. I mean, when he sat down, typically he had to sit in two chairs because the place refused to let him sit in uh, one chair. He tried and it broke. He was that large, but he was also a big spender. He was always exclaiming that uh, he didn't need good luck because luck was uh, a pagan thing. And then went on a, a 30 second diatribe about. How he was Christian. Christian packing a gun, and then on top of that, he apparently had a care and conceal and carry permit, which he didn't ever carry with him. He said it kept, he kept that at home in a safe, which by Kansas law you're not allowed to do. You have to carry the carry and conceal papers with you if you're packing heat. Uh, now we've already we've covered weapons. Now unionization. This you'll probably have issues with if you're anything like me. But I tried boiling it down to similarities that they might have, and I could not I could not ignore the fact that they are both unionized in their own way. 
You see the cops, when you become a cop, you have a, uh, from what I understand, you have a choice to join a union or not join a union. More cops than not join the union. Uh, we're talking like a 95% rate of unionization in the uh, uh, police force. So they are dues member, pay, uh, they are dues paying members of the police force. Well, to put, to, not to put too sharp a point on it, but so gang members do the same thing. They have to, according to everything I've heard and everything like that, they see themselves as a family just like uh, law enforcement does, but they still have to pay their dues, which means they have to come up with money, which means they have to deal drugs or weapons or... In a case of higher-ups, like uh, hitmen or heavies, they they get paid very... They get compensated very well because they can skim off the top of a profit margin. And that's how they can pay their dues. You just slip off, like, however much money they need for union dues, and they're paid up. And anything else that... Uh, any other money they make goes to pay their bills. Like I said, my nose is really itchy. Now, I have worked with some people who are less than reputable in my time, and we were working, uh, I was working with this guy who was a complete nut job. I mean, this guy didn't even have to have a reason to get violent. He just got violent. He preferred, his weapon of choice was a knife, which he usually called a tongueless tool. Don't know why. Um, I do know that knives are considered tongues with no uh, are considered uh, a tongue with no mouth. Comes from an old riddle. Don't worry about it. But this guy, uh, we were at a house and we were evicting this family. Is really well off family. They were in a crappy, laden down shit house. And I do mean it's a crap house. And he was, this guy apparently didn't pay his protection money or whatever the hell it was. I don't know. I got paid per job, so I didn't give it to him. And I was very well paid. So I didn't have to worry about it. The guy I was working with, uh, the guy with the knife, he had issues. And so he went up to the guy and asked him where his juice was. He handed him an envelope, and at that point, uh, the guy the guy was partnered with. I don't know why I was partnered with him, but he opens the bag, riffles through it, takes some money out. I have no idea how much was in the bag. I wasn't paid enough to know. Uh, I had morals. Not entirely scruples, but morals. And if I didn't earn it, I didn't get it. But uh, this guy had a very nice office in the back of his house. We were there. The envelope got shaken through. This guy, uh, my part I don't remember what the guy's name was. Don't want to remember it. I All I remember is he was this kind of skinny, almost crackhead-looking dude. And he was interested. He wanted to go get, uh, get drugs and do, get high or whatever. That's on him. I wasn't there to be a, a, a gangster at all. <coughs> But this guy wanted money to pay whatever, uh, pay whatever off, and so he thumbs some off on the top, 
and tells this gentleman that, well, you need to pay this much more. And the guy's like, you need to put that money back. I'll give you extra money. You need to put that money back. He's like, no, you need to give me another bundle of money. The guy does so because dude's giving him crazy eyes. And at that point, he whips a, he goes back and whips out for his old glory knife. You know, this is old fisherman's knife or some crap that he thought was really sharp. And he's, uh, he pulls out the knife. I go on, I'm on red alert at that point. He proceeds, and he proceeds to lunge across the desk as the as this guy is scooting his chair back so that he doesn't get stabbed. The crackhead I'm working with leaps across the entire desk in one swoop. His feet never touch the desk. I'm not sure if the desk was narrow. I think it was a little on the narrow side, but jumps over completely. You know, hurdles the table without just like in one leap, no get go. It just Boing! On the other side, you know. He is about to start putting the knife towards towards this gentleman's throat. And this guy has has a book collection that would make you be envious. He has books that are no longer made. uh, uh, Law books. uh, This guy is high in money. And he doesn't even blink when he's handing the money off. That's how I know he was well off. Didn't care. Wasn't my job to give a crap. <clears throat> so when he threatens him with the, uh, trying to put the knife towards his throat, I have to go over there, grab him, lift him up off the ground, pin him against the bookshelf, which these shelves were made of solid oak or maple or something. Because the books tremble a little bit. The books shook just a mite bit. And I've got him six inches off the ground. I told him to put the knife away. He, say, he says, okay, you do it. Then hands me the knife. I'm holding this knife, flipping around, throw, uh, throw it on the ground. It's sharp enough it sticks to the ground. I tell him, no. We're here to coll- we're here to pick up something, and then we're, we're supposed to go back. And we're supposed to give this guy a warning. That's it. And this guy is thinking, I'm going to kick his ass. I'm like, Dude, you gave us the envelope. I was instructed not to worry about what's in the envelope. Just make sure the envelope is there. And whatever's in the envelope stays in the envelope. So I ended up having to uh, put uh, pick him up an extra couple of inches to add to the effect of me strong-arming my own partner. And I only worked with him that once, thank God. But... Uh, he goes ahead and puts the money back. The the older gentlemen were there to uh, see, who is flabbergasted. Hands the uh, hands the knife wielding crackhead a little bundle of money. It's not more than ten. Uh, it's not more than ten thousand. I don't think it wasn't a lot of money, but it was a good couple thousand dollars. And. He offers me a bit, you know, he offers me a double wad. I mean, that thing was, you know, an inch thick. It was double, easily, double or quadruple what he handed the uh, the guy I was working with. And said, here, that's for your troubles. Like, dude, I'm not taking it. Well, why not? Because I'm ethical. I, I'm hired to get certain things done. And taking his money 
would have indebted me to him. Meaning next time somebody, and they, meaning next time if I was there with him, and somebody did something stupid, he knew he could. Pay, at that point, he knew he could pay me off. Not how I work. I got done with that job, and I don't know how much money it was, but dude kept on telling me it was like a hundred thousand dollars that I turned down. I don't care. I was there to get a package and bring it back to my, uh, bring it back to the office. My, uh, the guy who employs me or my boss, uh, he gets the money and does whatever the hell he does with it, and then I get paid for it. And so, long story short, we go back and. Dude's put the money back, and he got his little pocket of money or whatever the hell, shoves it in his pocket. We get back to the office, and I explain what happened to uh, the guy in charge, the boss. He listens intently to both of both sides of the story, and I, you know, let the crackhead go first, let him go off spilling the beans about what happened. I'm okay with it. I was going to tell him the same thing anyway. He tells a story about this guy uh, pulling a gun on us, which did not happen. And then I go and I explain everything, what happened. Even lifting him up and throwing his knife into the the floor, that way he can't do anything with it. My boss gives me uh, a wad of money and tells me, Okay, you can go. Have fun. Have fun with your family. We're not going to worry about it. uh, We'll we'll, uh, give you a phone call when we're ready. And I'm stupid enough at the time. I mean, mind you, I'm in my early to mid-twenties. And I asked the guy, what, the, what was, was that money for, like, was that protection money? He was, don't worry about it. It's above your pay grade. You got the money. You got your money. You got me my, my package. That's all that matters. And the crackhead shouts out that uh, he needed the ex- he He was trying to skim off the top because he needed to pay his, his dues. Whatever the hell those were. I don't know if they were for the guy they're working for or for another gang or <clears throat> him paying off gambling debts or drug money. I don't know. But a lot of people were paying dues to, uh, to stuff that I have no idea about. I mean, everybody was taking... Every, a lot of people I was working with were skimming off of the amounts they were collecting. And I was paid quite a bit more because because of how my boss at the time saw me. Well, we worked for him for a little while, like 96 months or so. He loved my work, though. But, uh, yeah, I got paid quite handsomely. I got paid, apparently, according to the rest of the people I worked with, in the six uh, six months or so, maybe a little longer, uh, I was paid four times what everybody else was, and we had guys who were former military, uh, just different backgrounds of very violent shit. And I just grew up in a bad neighborhood, so I knew what I was. Uh, I knew how to disarm people with like, if you've ever seen uh, the rundown with a rock, how he says he doesn't like guns. I didn't like guns myself, and so I did without guns, and I usually was able to do my job without guns. More than once I had to use knives, but I didn't, I'm not talking about injuring, I'm talking about intimidating. So you can say I used to be a gang member, but I never paid dues. I was always paid to do my job, and then once my job was over, I got paid, went home to my uh, 
kids, and we were all cool. And when I was asked if I wanted to join up, I'd have to if I wanted to join up with their full time crew, which I was working more hours than they were to begin with. Well, you have to pay this fee for now. I'm good. Just give me my money. I'll do my I'll do my job. You tell me what I'm supposed to get done. I'll get it done. And when I get back, you pay me. Because I wasn't union for in their eyes, I got paid more because I didn't want a trace or trail or anything. When I when I left that office and I left where I where uh, we were going, where we met up at. Excuse me. The life that that world did not exist, and somewhere I think like three months after I left uh, that whole st- uh, lifestyle behind, uh, I got a call from somebody who apparently got my number from the boss's book, which was supposed to have been like literally one whole page was just from my contact so he could rip it out because I told him I didn't know how long I'd be able to work for him, but. He could have my number as long as he ripped the page out when I was done. <clears throat> so that's what I did. I mean, 5'9", 130, 130 to 150 pounds, just little old me. Why, every time we went to a job, usually I was the uh, the enforcer, I guess you want to call it. But I didn't have to pay dues uh, on what I was doing because I was very well paid to begin with. But... Now we go. That's the issue with unionization. Both of them pay dues to stay in their respective areas. Otherwise, they get dropped by the union or gang, respectively, and they lose clout. If you've been paying dues for years and years and years, and you stop paying, then they just stop representing you, or you stop being a part of their world. Uh, I'm not sh- exactly sure how that works with uh, police officers, but I've heard that uh, cops typically, t- if they're if they're a union and it's marked clearly, and they don't un- and they don't go through the paperwork to unmark it so that they're not union, they can be sued legally. That's why I don't deal with unions. I mean, I've had several good jobs where they get to the last part and they say, "Okay, are you going to go union or not?" No, I'm not going to go union. I need somebody to pay me to represent myself. I do that by myself to my boss, and on one or two, uh, one or two or five jobs. I'm not sure which one. Somewhere in one to five jobs, <clears throat> they said if I didn't go union, I could not be hired because they needed union people to work there. I'm not a union person. I am. I am well spoken by myself. I can do the numbers by myself. I keep track of my hours, that way I don't get screwed out of money, and if I have a problem, I know where the boss is, I just go talk to the boss. And that's what I do. With gangs, it works the same way, I mean, you have to pay their dues, because I've known gang members to die from not paying their dues. Now, certain insignia for easy identification. Both cops do this and gang members do this. Gang members do it with not only their clothes, but their accessories. Cops usually wear the uniform with badge, rank. You all know about cops. Some of you know about gangs, some of you don't. With gangs, typically, like we, uh, when we had the drug dealer living in the same court as us, <clears throat> 
he invited he came over with four or five guys all those guys are in blue I'm talking blue do rags blue handkerchiefs sticking in their pocket blue shoes blue shirts and it's not a variety of shades it's one damn shade of blue all of them have the same shade of blue on dead giveaway that they're gang members and that's why I fought that's why we fought with the landlord uh, or we fought alongside the landlord for two three months to get that dude kicked out because he's a drug dealer He's a known drug dealer. One of our neighbors who moved out before he did, before he got booted out, ended up, she knew his ex, and he's just a, a piece of crap. He's got, like, four kids by, with her and turned into a piece of crap. He had, like, nine to 12 kids all together from different baby mamas. And he was too much in the life of doing drugs and then dealing. So he was high on his own product. He was... Drinking, he was buying his, he was getting Kool-Aid and then drinking it himself as well as giving it to other people. Now, the certain insignia part's probably the easiest one. That's how when I see people dressed in a whole lot of clothing. I mean, people just see me dressed in green and I've had people come up, are you a gang member? Why is that? You're wearing a, you're wearing a green bandana, you're wearing a green shirt. Wearing green shoes, you, you know the whole green thing. Oh, what are you a VLB? Because green is usually VLB. And I tell them, no, my favorite color is green. There's no gang affiliation here at all. Well, you need to advertise. How do I advertise that I'm not a gang by wearing a different color? No, I wear different shades of green. I enjoy the color green. Else, like uh. What was it? A decade, maybe a maybe a decade and two years, ten, twelve years ago, maybe. Might have been longer than that ago, but you know, PTSD makes the memory kind of. But this kid was wearing. Uh, he he was totally a Slipknot fan, or so I thought. He had. You know, this kid must. I think he was Italian or Mexican. He had short dreads that were sticking up. You know, kind of like early Slipknot or some crap. He had a colored bandana on, and he had colored different colored bandanas all over. His uh, elbows had uh, ba different colored bandanas, his wrists, and he had different colored bandanas, and when he got asked by another gang member, a known gang member, I think it was a skinhead or some crap, what the issue was, what set he belonged to, the kid, this kid gave the best answer ever. It's like, ah, this is just how I dress. He's wearing baggy clothes. I mean, he literally looked like a Slipknot video <laughs> without the mask. Baggy uh, shorts. <coughs> a really baggy shirt. All the handkerchiefs you can imagine. He even had uh, handkerchiefs uh, or bandanas of different colors on his ankles. One of the coolest kids I ever met, because I had a conversation with him about rock metal. He's like, no, I'm into rap. But you look like somebody from Slipknot. No, I'm in a rap. And then he uh, he took out his little radio and turned it to the channel I guess he always listens to, and it's hardcore gangster rap. I'm like, dude, you look like Slipknot. You know anything about Slipknot? No. One of my friends came over and played a little bit of Slipknot. The guy's like, nah, it's not my thing. We went ahead and showed him a picture of, uh, a, a concert picture of the uh, guy with dreads and Slipknot, and he's... Dude, I do look like him, huh? Yeah, you do. 
That's why we all think you're a Slipknot fan, because you're dressing exactly like that guy. If it wasn't for that, we wouldn't have that issue. <clears throat> okay. We've covered Insignia. Badges, Insignia. And for gang members, Insignia, Insignia, and, you know, the whole nine yards. And, you know, like, in a group I moderate, and a group I admin for... When I get to certain members, I look for is they dressed or if they dress a certain way in their pictures. I tend to scroll through their profile to see if they're holding up gang signs. If I don't see any gang signs, you're through, easy breezy, no problem at all. But I uh, and the group that I'm adminning for at, at that point, I don't want gang members to harass or create a cottage industry because they get some chick and turn her into uh, turn her into a uh, a Madonna chick, you know, a doorknob chick. Everybody gets a turn until she's used up and then shoot her in the head. Okay. Now, we get on to the next one. Former occupation was risky for cops, and this goes for like, uh, former military and former government workers. And a lot of uh, police officers, especially the younger ones, they either get out of college and decide they want to become a cop because it pays real well, or they come for the military and want to keep doing the same thing they were doing, with a bit of a uh, with a bit of a difference in the uh, translation of what they're doing. And I have I I know that a lot of cops served in the army and the marines, the air force. Typically, here, I end up running into a bunch of cops that were in the Army or the Marines. I've been to places like, you go to uh, Minot, back when I was build, helping build a house there. Minot, half the police force there was Air Force pilots. They didn't have anything to do, and they're retired Air Force. They go and just do what they do, and they, they uh, have the town pay for... Um, fast cars, because they like to go fast. I don't know why, but... It was a very interesting thing, but... A lot of cops here. National Guard, Coast Guard, uh, Army, and Marines. If they're going to be retired, that's usually what happens. It doesn't matter if they're Special Forces, Green Beret, Black Ops, Navy SEALs, Snipers. It doesn't matter. They're usually they had a high risk position in the military, and that's what they rely on. That's why they go in the uh, why they become a cop because they still have routines to do, as opposed to gangs who their former activity was risky. Some people become uh, uh, gang members later uh, a little later in life because they like to shoot people. They want to get their money. Um, they were wrong, you know, the list goes on. I can't even think of half the reasons uh, for them doing that. I mean, I've heard stories of parents smoking meth in front of their kids and then selling uh, cocaine or crack cocaine out of their back door because they were boiling it on the stove. <clears throat> Matter of fact, my sister's ex-boyfriend, the mother of her middle child, I believe it was, he actually knew how to make Crank, crack, and cocaine. 
I don't know how I knew it. I'd never watched him make it, but um, he was rather well known for doing that. His problem is he loved to pinch the back, and he loved to pinch all the product too much. He was doing his, uh, he was making a product and then using it to satisfy himself. That's why his teeth farted at him because he was too busy doing the drugs instead of selling. But they are, they are uh, a lot of them are sociopathic or had troubled uh, youths because of mommy or daddy leaving or mommy and daddy being alcoholics or drug addicts or yada, yada, yada. List every damn excuse in the book because I, I can't permit, <clears throat> I can't abide by the gang member mentality. I just can't. So whatever their backstory, it's like, okay, there's somebody here. I can name you somebody famous who went through almost the exact same shit and still rose to be a better person and didn't have to rely on that drug trade or that violence to justify their existence in the world. And uh, let's see. The last one on this uh, boiling point is... Older members have carte blanche on both sides. Usually, when you're an older cop, they let you get away, they let you slide with certain things, or you have so many connections. I met a cop who was. Uh, I actually met this cop who had been a member of the force for 40 years. He retired a while back, but he'd been a member of the force, of the Wichita PD, for 40 years. <clears throat> And him and I were drinking over at uh, the bar I went to at the time, Champs. And he's telling me that he could he'd get the paperwork for his recertification for shooting, you know, for his weapon and sharpshooting application or whatever. He would literally go to one of his friends that what uh, that had been serving him for years. He didn't say how often he had to re-up it. But he said this guy he knows, who was a uh, certified gunsmith and certified police officers off, who were off duty, they paid a fee. He gave them, and he put them through their paces and made sure they were certified. This guy said he hadn't been certified in fifteen damn years. Every time it came up, he just took it to this guy. The guy signed off on it. And, you know, anything this guy wanted, he could get. He was, he'd been around that long. He knew everybody and everybody's uh, families. So when something, when ownership completely changed to a different family or some crap, he made it his business to nose into that business and make himself known and get a break from them. That's not a good thing. <laughs> That's like with older gang members. Older gang members who are... As far as I'm made aware, the older the gang member is, the more they work behind the scenes than out in front. You know, if they want somebody dead, they give an order, it trickles down to somebody who shoots somebody else, or whatever the case may be. Kind of like the Colombian drug cartel. Now... One of the things that occurs to me right now is the fact that our gangs and our police are so similar on certain boiling points.
ones. And I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but if you boil it down, like cops are principled, gangs have their own principles. They both tend to uh, get indoctrinated into their career during their youth at some point, where you admire an officer as a hero, usually when you're very young. <clears throat> and the only thing, uh, the, the thing I don't get is, like, I watched Vice about gang members, and a lot of the gang members strike me as being at a different level, because the, the gang members that are the people I knew who eventually became gang members... They didn't uh, exude this uber-opulent lifestyle. A few dro I drove nicer than normal cars, like newer models, not brand new. And they were told to stay low-key and save their money. Save every dime you can. So a lot of people I knew that became ended up being gang members would save their money back. A few of them just could not hold on to money to save their butt. Their money ran through their hands like their fingers were wide open and they were trying to catch the water. They pissed it away, smoked it up, did whatever. <coughs> I know a couple that happened to, I know a couple of them that happened with <coughs> that happened to have gone to Jezebel's back when it was open and would drop twenty, thirty thousand dollars on whoever they thought was hot that night. And, yeah, long story short on that, you end up having a bunch of uh, strippers with quite a few kids from a guy who's a drug addict who can't afford all the kids. Um, I eventually met up with one chick who was, I guess she was a dancer at uh, not only Michelle's Beach House, but also at... A couple of his strip joints, but, uh, or skin bar, if you want to call it that. She ended up, through no, fault, uh, through no fault of me, just paying attention. I was drinking and talking to her, and we were just having a blast talking about our difficult upbringing. And she finally mentioned the fact that she got 12 kids from six daddies. And all because they liked the way her body moved. And I didn't ask any more questions than that. And it, it's rather funny because we were all doing karaoke that night at Champs. And she had a rockin' bot, I'll give her that. Um, the problem is that she ended up going home with some guy who was wearing gold on every finger. Chains were ridiculous. He never took his glasses off the entire time he was there. She went home with him. I caught up with her about two years later and she'd had two sets of twins. Apparently, he put her off fertility drugs, took her home, and had at her. He had more kids than what he needed to take care of, and apparently she did too, because she said she was getting out of the... Back then, she said she was getting out of the baby-making game. But, what do I care? It's not me. I think the issue now is... Looking back at... Um, our gang issue, because before before George Floyd, we had a decent chance of policing and changing uh, the police requirements. George Floyd, for some reason, why a black man who 
was supposedly out of breath and couldn't breathe, was able to, was was able to be high. I mean, really stoned. He was lightly fighting. He was lightly resisting arrest. But for a guy who was out of breath to shout 25 times, I can't breathe! Loudly? I hate to tell you, but the physics of it means that he can breathe. Do I agree with his... Do I agree with how, uh, how his life ended? Hell no. If the officer hadn't put his neck on uh, George Floyd's... If he hadn't put his knee on George Floyd's neck, he more than likely would have survived that, especially with this white belligerent asshole cop who had, who knew George Floyd. Maybe he knew him as a drug dealer. Maybe he knew him as somebody who got high. I don't know. But I'm going to guess there was some uh, background info that we still don't know. We're never going to know. Do I, bl- do I blame George Floyd for what happened to him? To an extent, I do. To an extent, I have to. When you're high as shit on meth or whatever the fuck he was high on, he has to be responsible for that part. Now, him getting his neck crunched, I don't agree with that at all. Not one damn bit. You won't find me agreeing with that cop at all. And that's a disturbing trend. I think it's sad that now that uh, now that George Floyd's death has polarized the Black Lives Matter movement and this social reform bullshit and cancel culture about cops, because ever, now everybody doesn't want cops. I want the cops. If you take the cops away from where I'm living, whether they're doing a bad job or a good job, if I can't call 911 when somebody's aiming a gun at my wife, my children, and my dogs, let alone me, why the fuck would I want to live there? Ever. This isn't up for debate. I want, I want, I pay taxes so that cops can have jobs, so the firefighters can have jobs, so they can work here, where I live. So when I call, I expect a response. Sometimes the infraction I'm calling in on is rather small, but I believe in justifi- uh, justifiable for me to be worried, but when it's something huge... Somebody has a weapon, or there's a crazy-ass dude outside walking through the yards and uh, posing a threat to my family. I'm allowed to call the cops, and the cops need to protect and serve the law-abiding citizen. If the guy has a mental issue, then maybe he should have been trained to say his name and what he has. I don't buy this crap of, well, some people don't, uh, some people can't do that. Autistic people, I get. But schizophrenics, why shouldn't they be? Why shouldn't they have a, a you know some indication of what they are? Because I've run into quite a few schizophrenics. I know one really nice schizophrenic. <clears throat> this guy talks to Marilyn Monroe every day, and he lives literally not even 100 feet away. Very nice guy. carries a, He carries a butter knife with him just in case somebody attacks him. Never been anything but nice to me, my wife, and my dog. My dogs. Hell, if you want a guy, if you want a guy backing your ass up, it's the guy I want. The one who's schizophrenic, because he talks to people who aren't there. Nicest guy in the world. Don't even care if he takes his meds. Hell, I met the first time I met this guy, what, 2001? That long ago? I met him on the north side when I used to live there, or by WSU. And 
fascinating guy, just complete wreck of a brain, but, you know, he had a conversation with me and Marilyn Monroe and George Washington, and, uh, what's it, what's his name, uh, George Washington Carver, who was behind me, I guess, he had a conversation with all of us, I sat out there for, uh, with him on a cold-ass November night for like an hour talking to him. But now the problem is, is we, we have police which are under fire right now. <clears throat> and here's my, here's my biggest fucking issue right now. We have the cops, and I'm not saying all the cops are good. I know, I know, I still know some cops are corrupt because I've watched the ones that are corrupt, and I, reported the, I report those cops to the cops that I trust, and when I call back up, they have been reported for slighting against tax pay, regular tax-paying people. You know? I, I just don't understand why bad cops are even hired. And yeah, there's this thing well, where when we change, change police chiefs, these guys get grandfathered in. Why aren't they being yearly uh, evaluated yearly <clears throat> because of their complaints or anything like that? We have a serious issue with that. And because of our cops starting to delude or lose number, we now have a cop force that's... In our neighborhood, they're constantly rolling by. There's always something on Rock Road or a Hillside or some other crap. And the gang members are now picking up on the refugee children. These kids between 8 and 15 years old, they're indoctrinating them. I mean, what is it, back when my daughter lived with us, my oldest, she lived here, some some refugee kid who could, he could speak passable English, not very well, but he could speak it. Asked her on a date, they went to the playground over here, called Well Elementary. I went with them, of course, duh. And yes, I did carry a knife. And my cell phone. And they went over and played a little basketball. If he was getting too touchy-feely, I'd sit there and chime up. And I, you know, at, at 15, they can be a little touchy-feely. I get that. I mean, for me, I want to be Papa Bear like, You harm my daughter? I will cut your balls off. You know? Ugh. All these women talk about being Mama Bear. Yeah, you don't want to, uh, when it comes to my kids, you don't want to piss me off because I will go nuclear on you. And I'm not saying that a woman's wrath is any less. I think they're both the same, personally. I think they're literally both the same. But that kid, uh, not even a few, not even two or three weeks later, was calling my daughter his woman. And I just happened to see her get off the bus. I saw this jackass waste of life he uh, uh, the bus pulls away and they're, uh, he's going to go his way he reaches up grabs her ass and tries to reach around towards her front from underneath between her legs she smacks him and starts running all the way home I get my cane and haul ass the best I can in the back door before she sees me and I, I tell my wife to be careful my wife listening to the headphones doesn't hear me. And my daughter comes to the door. 
about ready to throw a fit, I let her run straight to the bedroom, beeline it, and tell her not to run into her sister. She crumbles up in a corner, and I let her go for like half an hour. Finally, I walk into the bedroom. I tell Monkey to get out of the bedroom so we can go to, so that me and Sissy can talk. And she proceeds to tell me what I already saw. And apparently, he's telling kids at school, she's mine. She is my property. You touch her, I will kill you. I will have people show up at your doors to kill you. She is mine. This kid can barely speak English. And I found out through a couple of other kids that went to Southeast with my daughter. He was hanging out with gang members, at least two drug dealers. And, yeah, he didn't get why everybody was so weird around him. Because he gave off a creeper vibe. He felt that she was his property. And finally, uh, we managed to tell the school to tell the boy's parents to leave my daughter the hell alone. Because they wouldn't give us the the uh, kid's address. They're refugees. They don't. They don't want to talk English. They want to speak in their own mother tongue and be done. And on that note, for me, it's like, okay, you want to. Sp- if you only ever want to speak your own, the language of the country you came from, go back to that country. And it's not being racist. You came here to have a better life. Learn the language and learn the language we speak here. Because I'm not going to go and learn Swahili. For some kid, just to speak to his parents for five minutes. <clears throat> We've only scratched the surface on this one, but I feel as though I need to get off here because I got to pee and I need to uh, get some stuff taken care of. Um, we will talk about this more at some other point. I will have to start this on my list of podcast topics. As always, thank you for listening. Like, subscribe. You know, please do it all. If you need to, share this with other people. Even if they don't like the swearing, I'm trying to make steady points. And um, Laura made a really good suggestion about a podcast topic that I that I was unaware of. And I'm going to start looking into that uh, tonight. Start writing about that tonight. And uh, if I can get all the stuff I need, all the info I need, I will make a podcast tomorrow. But right now, I've got to get off of here, because I really have to pee. And we've scratched the surface on this so far. We've gotten pretty some pretty good meat. We haven't gone to the bone, though. But this is in relation to Black Lives Matter and everything else. So y'all have fun, and be chill and cool. Alright? Till the next episode, peace out!